Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today's podcast is presented by EPRA, the European Public Real Estate Association. Facing global megatrends like green transition and aging population, how will listed real estate contribute to a sustainable future and financial security for Europe? Hey everyone, welcome to Davos Confidential, coming live from the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. I'm Ryan Heath, the political editor of Politico Europe, and you'll be hearing from me for the next four days. I'm here in Davos House. It's a special private members club set up for three days only in the golf club here in Davos. In this first episode of Davos Confidential, we bring you three really interesting guests. The first is Louisa Rue. She is director of HuffPost International. She's in charge of those 14 international editions of HuffPost. Following Louisa, we're going to hear from Nico Rosberg, the former Formula One driver who's become a tech investor. He's moved into smart mobility. And finally, we hear from Dan Healy from FTI Consulting. Let's dive into those episodes now, and I'll get back to you this time tomorrow. So I'm sitting here in the Intercontinental, which is the great spaceship of Davos Hotels with Louisa Rogue of HuffPost International. And we're about to talk to a group of people about what's on our minds, uh, what we are seeing as the big stories or worries of 2019. So Louisa, what's on your mind? Um, so I think one of the things that's, um, uh, that's really on my mind was the um, Oxfam report that just was released uh, to coincide with Davos which shows that really just the, the gap between the ultra-rich and the very poor are getting just even wider. And I think we're seeing all this, obviously, all this uh, political turmoil in Europe, in the US, um, and there's just really a sense of, is Davos really, should it really exist even? So it's a very existential question. I think there is a bit of a fundamental clash there where people, including the forum itself, push these important issues like the growth of extreme poverty. It feels positive when you're in the atmosphere here and then the urgency seems to dissipate and the wealth of that billionaire class grows and grows and now we start to see it translated into election results with more and more populists being elected. Is there a way out of this aside from doing things like raising tax rates and collecting more tax? Well, so I think that's exactly it. Um, I was talking to an author earlier, uh, quite an anti-Davos author earlier, and he made the point that a lot of the kind of Davos speak is around these very positive concepts like win-win and, you know, social philanthropy and all the rest of it, lean-in. And he says, you know, win-win kind of obscures this kind of broader conversation about social justice, for example, or lean-in obscures a conversation about maternal leave or... You know, and on and on, and like we really don't talk about the one thing that actually matters, which is taxation. Um, and we are, of course, in a country where Switzerland, where uh, people do get taxed, and you have a much sort of you don't have the divisions and the social divisions that you have, and the capture of the wealth by the very wealthy as you have in in the U.S. Um, I think it's what really interesting what's going on in the U.S. right now because I think the story for the last two years or so has been the rise of the hard right, if you will, and now I think we see more of the hard left 
uh, coming to political power. And I think that's really going to define the political discourse in the U.S. And that's something we haven't seen for a long time in the U.S., the idea that a 29-year-old woman, gender shouldn't matter, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you would have had a 29-year-old woman being listened to two or three years ago coming out and saying, well, you know what, a 70% tax rate on the ultra-wealthy really is what we need. And so with that rise of a real left for the first time in ages, you're starting to see a a true polarisation, not just a Democrat-Republican polarisation, but going to the ends of the spectrum polarisation. I think that's exactly right. And I think also if if we sort of think back a couple of years to uh, two very popular political slogans, it was hope and change. And I think there's really a sense of like dashed hopes uh, and change, not a lot of change for, for, for middle Americans, middle income Americans. I mean, basically wages have remained stagnant for the last many decades in the US and they're stagnant in the UK. Um, and, I, and I think there's just really a sense that nothing is changing for the, for the middle class, for the poor, for the working poor. Uh, and yet there's all these technological changes and all these tech entrepreneurs who are not only treating us as consumers, but are treating us, us as the product. And we're being sold, our data is being sold and so on. Uh, and we're being squeezed also in terms of productivity. And so everybody has to work that much harder. And there's a sense of running up the hill, but sliding backwards. And I really think we're seeing that now expressed politically, both on the right and on the left. And it'll be very interesting to see uh, what 2020 will bring. And one final point would be that I think for a long time, the globalization debate has really focused on the, the great uh, ending of poverty and the new opportunity in the poorer countries of the world. But as they start to reach the middle classes too, they're starting to feel some of these same squeezes. So that, that kind of cover and that optimism that comes from looking outside of Europe and, and the US, that's kind of disappearing now as well. Yeah, and I think you see it now. Of course, the big question is like uh, stagnation maybe or some they, you know sl- things slowing down in China. And there's definitely a sense that people are plateauing also socially. So that sort of uh, untrammeled growth and that you know eternal growth is maybe just a, you know, a chimera, something that it's not actually... Uh, possible. Well, we're now going to go and chat that through with some of the people who are amongst the most privileged in the world. So we will report back in future Davos Confidential episodes to, to let you know how Louise and I got on. Joining us now on Davos Confidential is Nico Rosberg, the Formula One driver who is now an investor in both car racing and green technology and green mobility. Uh, maybe give us a rundown about what's drawn you to an event like the World Economic Forum. Like, What are you hoping to achieve this week? Um, I retired two years ago uh, from, from racing from Formula One and and since then, um, I've, I've seen this huge opportunity in, in mobility and in transportation because uh, it, it's as big as when we went from the horse to the car. Now it's from uh, this, this opening is there to make it more sustainable. Yeah, and we know how, how damaging it is at the moment. So it's a huge opportunity and, and mobility has been my home. So uh, I'm really enjoying the challenge of going into this space and making a difference and having an impact there. And, and Davos, of course, is the absolute coming together of everybody who has something to say also in the mobility space. So it's just a great opportunity to meet everybody. And I have the honor of being a YGL as well. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the Young Global Leader Program, the under-40s who uh, are selected to come and spice things up a little bit here. Exactly. So I look forward to meeting a lot of uh, fellow uh, Young Global Leaders here in Davos as well. And, um, yeah, and meeting interesting people like you here on Politico. <laughs> and are you, when you work to try and build things like your Green Tech Festival and the Green Awards program that you're involved in, 
Is it something that you want to build with the existing uh, transport industry? Mobility industry is really the word now. Or is it something where you feel you need to go and get investors and ideas from elsewhere and, and go around that existing thinking? Uh, no, there's different uh, different aspects to it. I mean, first of all, there's the funding, of course, where we're going after uh, corporate partners yeah, to, to build it up. And, and we have some great great ones on board now. I need to still keep things confidential because we're going live on it in, in about two two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, uh, yeah, so we've done pretty well there. Uh, still, still a bit to go, yeah, but we still have time. Um, and then it's really getting all the people and companies involved, yeah, to showcase what they're doing and also getting the, the most uh, inspirational people in that space together. Um, and we really hope in our conference as well to create spaces and workshops to add value. Yeah, that's the most important, not just blah, 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 like many, many conferences are. We really want to add value and, and create change. So um, that's what it's about. Yeah. And one of the really positive things about Davos is it forces people from different perspectives to meet together. Now, it's seen as a very elite conference, but people come from a lot of different kind of intellectual, economic, sectoral backgrounds. Is there anything you have picked up on where you think, hey, that's a great idea, or I'm really glad I I met that person this week? Of course, it's phenomenal, really. In in Davos, it's phenomenal. Just now, I mean, I was sitting at dinner next to a beer company, yeah? And who would have known that they're like a huge player in road safety? <laughs> so, and uh, and I'm, a, I'm a big road safety activist. So well, You're an ambassador for road, road safety. safety Come on, be, be yeah. proud. Heineken, you're, you're working for them, aren't you? Yes, I am, yeah. So a big ambassador for road safety. Heineken, I've done a lot of stuff for, with the FIA as well. And in fact, we have a, a, an FIA gathering on Thursday night as well. Um, so there's so many different topics that come together here in this week. And that's why it's absolutely spectacular. So I can only recommend to everybody who's listening who has, uh, has some sort of ideas in this space, yeah, whatever, um, to come to Davos once and experience it. Nico, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Joining me now on the podcast is Dan Healy of FTI Consulting, and he has been responsible, or partly responsible, for a new resilience barometer that's been published today here in Davos, and that is looking at a range of different scenarios that companies across the G20 might or might not be prepared for. Uh, Dan, give us a bit of a rundown, because I get the feeling uh, a lot of countries are not as organized as they could be. Well, no, we, we, just to start off, we, uh, we did the research with about just over 2,000 companies across the G20, and these are large companies with senior management. So you might, you know, the results showing it's like, you know, uh, the, the leader's actually quite damning about their organisation in t- terms of how well prepared and proactive they are about these 18 scenarios. Um, and these 18 scenarios are various aspects that are hitting their, their, um, their revenue and, and turnover. So what we're finding is actually... On the whole, it's, it's hitting their revenue uh, by 5.1% overall, which is, which is quite a significant amount of money. And even just for the 2000 we researched, it's working out to be over $80 billion uh, that's being lost. And that's for things like getting prepared for cyber attacks or addressing uh, the impact of climate change and things like that. Yes, no, cyber attacks, is, it was the number one issue that's, that's impacted them over the last 12 months. And it's the same incidence they claim is going to hit, hurt them over the next 12 months. Um, so we're looking at the percentage are actually proactive in terms of trying to prevent that sort of scenario, as well as environmental issues, data leaks, um, regulatory impact, uh, political disruption, aspects like that. In terms of the themes of this year's Davos, yes. wh- what do you think are the results that most chime in with what the WEF is trying to promote? 
Well, I think you know a lot of people are always relating to a lot of activities to the sustainable development goals, and we, we did actually test some of those uh, theories out by asking, uh, you know, what are the the, uh, the the sustainable development goals that companies are actually pursuing, and help, helping to support. So, we're finding that number three um, in terms of. Uh, Good health and well-being uh, is number one thing that a lot of organisations are pursuing. Followed by number five, gender equality, which is great to see, 39%. But it might be quite surprising in terms of number 13, climate action, is way down the list in terms of companies that are pursuing, um, 20%. So whether that's actually a little bit more of a, of a global perspective and government uh, initiatives, companies don't seem to be sort of taking on that aspect in their, in their goals. But encouragingly, 96% of companies we research said they're, they're pursuing at least one of them, whether they're formally reporting it or not, there, but certainly sort of is gaining favour. Um, so as well as being, you know, um, in terms of having a social conscious, something else, there is a clear impact on the valued organisations, even for the most cynical organisations. Um, so it warrants actually trying to pursue those and trying to fuse them with a SDG. So that's a good Davos message. And self-interest often wins if it's put in a competition with, with other competing interests. Um, you're in the advice business. Is there any single piece of advice you'd offer to that CEO class of what they need to get cracking on next year? Well, I think it's, it's to try not to you know, look at all the 18 events that we've seen, look at the foreseeability of them, look at the impact that actually has on turnover and the financial numbers organisation and start prioritising, almost like taking off the list as well trying to be proactive and, and the key thing is actually engaging with a whole variety of different stakeholders. Dan Haley, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Davos Confidential. We'll be back for the following three mornings and you can always subscribe to EU Confidential at politico.eu forward slash registration or on whatever platform you found this podcast. What is this called again? EU Confidential, Davos Confidential. Davos Confidential this week. Great. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.